are back for another edition of Friday Night Rivals, the podcast. We're so glad you're along with us. Joining me today, again, as always, the keynote speaker, the earthquake on feet, the man, Grand Potentate, Scott McMahon. <laughs> we'll I just refer to him as natural disaster. <laughs> there you natural go. Disaster. Natural, natural disaster. Natural disaster McMahon. I'm That's, feeling like it today. He's the good disaster. <laughs> it's okay. And uh, and that other melodic voice you heard is the uh, dulcet. The, the dulcet tones of Chris Goforth hey, back sorry, this week. I, sorry I missed last week. I That's had, all right. We all get one. I had to speak to the uh, Rock Collectors Club of uh, East Brainerd last <laughs> Good. week. Good. Yeah. Right. You're, you're getting the leftover table scraps well, from I, Scott speaking yeah, against They, they tried to book Quake. They couldn't afford him. I come much cheaper. So <laughs> Quake said, I need barbecue for this one. <laughs> That's, That's right. what exactly it was. Right. And they said, no, I'm sorry. We can only have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches this week. So Chris steps in. Like, Chris, take That's a right. take for me, buddy. And uh, as always, I am Dave Keelan. I'm just simply Dave Keelan. Just plain Dave, as most people refer to me. Anyway, we appreciate you being There's here. There's nothing plain about you, man. Yeah, just plain plain clothes. That's about it. No, not even that. I've seen your <laughs> I've seen your Sunday uh, church pictures on Facebook. Well, that's, I, I can dress up every now and then. <laughs> but anyway, we appreciate you being here. Uh, guys, a, a busy week of high school football, at least the games that they did play. Uh, you know, we saw our high school, our Friday Night Rivals matchup uh, delayed at push back to Saturday so we didn't get to see that game but that game was played and it's, uh, just because we're not there doesn't mean that it didn't happen uh, Ridgeland picks up a big win there 25-20 to get their region schedule underway as they get their first win of the season now it's that second season uh, as they're looking to uh start making a run towards the playoffs. They they geared up in, a, in some big non-region games to start the season uh, against some of the best talent in the state of Georgia. Um, now they've got off to the right foot with a region win. What did you guys take away from that game? I thought it paid off for them. I mean, that was my takeaway was, hey, okay, now they're back in region play with some some competition that they can handle, and they handled Heritage. You know, I thought going in, Heritage was probably a little bit of a favorite, especially at home. Uh, but for Ridgeland, to, for both teams to go through that, and we'll talk about Red Bank South Pittsburgh too, to go through the hurry up and wait mentality, I think is torturous at times. So to be able to come back a day later and play it with a fresh mindset and, uh, and a fresh focus, I thought, you know, obviously paid off for Ridgeland. I don't care who you are, how confident you are in what you've got. When you open up the year 0-3 like they did, um, and I realize that was really tough competition for Ridgeland. When you open up 0-3 at some point in time now, you start to second-guess yourself and how good are we really and what do we really have. So for them to be able to come out and get a win over again, Quake, as you mentioned, a region foe, somebody that is a little more – to their level, if you will. Right. Um, I just think that's huge. I think that is a massive confidence builder because now, now you sit back and go, all right, we got these, we still got these dudes back here that can play a little bit. And you start to build a little bit of confidence. Well, Coach Klein told us last week heading into that game that he, his team, the one thing about his team, even though they were 0 and 3, he could tell that they were still kind of confident. And I think that's part where the coaches come in and they say, look, guys, you got to realize, we're in some track meets in these first few games. And this speed that we're seeing right now, that's what everybody is 
comparing us to throughout the region. So you kind of had to feel that once Ridgeland could get in the comforts of the region, they would start to kind of come out of their shell a little bit. I think, I mean, both of you guys are right too, because you're looking at, you're looking at coach Klein being a what 25 year assistant coach. So now he's a first year head coach. And I'm sure there was a bit of the Ridgeland Ridgeland fan base that goes, I don't know. We've gone the wrong way here. Yeah. And uh, so for him to prove that and prove it against pretty solid heritage team, I thought was big, big step for for everybody that's uh, associated with Ridgeland Panthers. So Ridgeland gets the big win over Heritage this uh, past week. They'll take on Northwest Whitfield in another region game this coming Friday. Uh, another game that did not get played. It was actually canceled, which everyone oh. been waiting 50 years for this matchup. <laughs> I don't know if everybody had been waiting 50 years. Like, oh, South, Bank, South Pittsburgh and Red Bank, they're going to play this year. That's cool. How long has it been? 50 years. Okay. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, takeaways from that one. Uh, you know, I saw both coaches interviewed. We we know, you know, Red Bank's athletic director, Wendell Weathers, was was making the call on that. I guess from what I've learned about this situation is that the athletic director of the home team is kind of making the calls until it's kickoff. And then when kickoff happens, the referees are making that call. So I think Wendell was the, – the video that I saw on him, he was very respectful of, of Coach Grider and, and the fact that they traveled so far and the fact that their visitors' stands were full an hour before the game. I mean, it was just the anticipation was really like none other mm-hmm. uh, just to see from both sides, okay, how, how, how do we look against each other that we've had so much positive uh, history and so many accomplishments from both schools um, and you could tell by the look on Big Grider's face when he was interviewed they they wanted to play it you know they 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 you know didn't they couldn't come back the next day uh, they certainly didn't want fans to be upset and and, and you know want their money back because they never saw a football game but right. that's exactly what happened and I think they exhausted every chance to try and play it I know we spoke to some fans during this week that said well, it was, it was heat lightning, not the striking lightning. I'm like, well, what's the difference in that? I mean, if you've got lightning in the area <laughs> within, you know, a five-mile radius or whatever that little machine reads, then you're going to have to postpone. There wasn't any rain. There wasn't, you know, lightning strikes at the field. Right. So there were some pl- uh, fans that are like, hey, man, let's get this thing on. And uh, it's just not a safe mentality to have that in 2019. We're supposed to be a little bit more We should have brought that. David Glenn in this week and have him explain <laughs> why you don't have. get out for heat lightning there is no such thing as heat lightning well as a wise man once said thunderbolts and lightning very very frightening <laughs> so uh you know the my reaction to this is just bummer i mean oh, me bummer too. Me too. Yeah. this is a game i wanted to see you know this is one of those you talk about games you'd pay good money to go watch that's it i'd go pay good money to watch this one i hate that it didn't happen um i am all for quake you can help me Dave can can uh, you know navigate traffic. We can close off the uh, parking lot to the Walmart there on on Signal Mountain Road, and uh, we can throw up a couple of goalposts and and play this in a in a parking lot somewhere on a Sunday afternoon, maybe to to get these two to play. Because, Guarantee you draw a crowd. Uh, I think so. I think so. But yeah, we uh, this is a game that I thought was good. I applaud both head coaches though for. Um, you know, for scheduling a game like this, and I guess we'll have to wait till next year to see it. Yeah, it'll be at South Pittsburgh next year. Uh, another game down in Georgia, Dalton goes on the road against Harrison. They suffer their first loss of the season. What do we gather from that? Well, that's kind of what we uh, we had wondered about, right? How could Dalton fare when they have to go in that region? And I mean, Harrison is one of those programs that 
I mean, every year they are good. What was it Matt Land told us last year about the number of 40 41, 41. 41 Division One signees came out of that region? So, Jeez, look, insane. you're going to find out what you're made of when you have to play teams from that region, when you have to go on the road in that region, because it's not going to be easy. And unfortunately for Dalton, they um, they ran into some stiff competition Friday Quake, night. who was the other team out of that region? There, there's three teams Alatuna? in Class 6A. Yeah, Alatuna, Harrison, Dalton, Alatuna. Three teams in the top ten out of that region right now, three at the top. In 6A so, in the whole state. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. So that tells you how competitive that region is. What surprised me was they really didn't slow down Gibbs. He didn't have the video game numbers that he can against other teams. But, uh, you know, um, uh, he got his carries. He got his yards. He had, oh, what was it, 200 and, uh, 220 220 yards on uh, 28 carries, and he had like 160 in the first half. So they really didn't like put a a, a, a total focus on. We got to stop Jameer Gibbs. We got to stop Jameer Gibbs. They let Gibbs get his own and play defense with everybody else. And of course, their offense can score some points, obviously too. And that's where they had the advantage. You're the Hickson man. Your math always comes into play because they had that great math mathematics program over there. Oh, what's yeah. that, what's his total at now? I think it was 1144 is what we oh, had I last even, year. I couldn't even tell you. It's it's. 1400 and something and 20 I don't even know it's ridiculous in four games but what's hard to believe is he <laughs> he had that kind of success in the first half and they're down 28-7 at the half I mean that shows you how good that team is and how good that region is and and we say it all the time but you head south to Atlanta and buddy they they there you go they got all kinds of players what'd you say 42 signees or 41 signees is that last year that that was last season yeah that was last year that's crazy so we think Dalton's one of the best teams here in our Chattanooga area uh, but they certainly aren't you know. They are competitive and they're good, but that that Atlanta bunch, buddy, they they can play some football. You start going from Calhoun to Rome into Marietta, into that way, mm-hmm. into, it's like the further south you get, mm-hmm. it's like it turns into a completely different animal yeah. uh, in Georgia football. Then you get Warner Robins, Valdosta, and all that, and I mean yeah. it just you well, know you, you've also got a whole bunch of coaches now that make one hundred and twenty five plus thousand dollars a year. Uh, that all have million-dollar football facilities and artificial turf and video boards, video and, boards, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's it is it's I mean it's close to and it's not there yet, but it's getting closer to what you see in Texas now in mm-hmm. that part in the state of Georgia. Period, but in particular in the metro area that is Atlanta of Gwinnett and Cobb and Fulton counties and around there. Speaking of another team that went to went to Georgia this past week, McCauley went on the road, picked up a big win over West Forsyth, just ahead of their rivalry matchup this week, ahead of uh, against Baylor. Uh, we'll get to that one a little bit later, but just kind of recap this one as McCauley loses their possibly their best defensive player uh, along the way for four to six more games. Four to six games this season. Jay Hardy will be out uh, beginning this week with. A very controversial hit uh, from the West Forsyth team. What was the takeaway from this game? Other than, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, but I think, you know, talking to Coach Ralph Potter, he was telling us uh, about what he took away from this game with his team. But most notably, Jay Hardy missing for four to six weeks. I mean, what can you say about it? It's it's awful. I mean, it, it's it's totally awful. Uh, the kid didn't deserve it. You know, it was one of those things where um, they won 
despite what was it? I guess midway through the third when it actually happened, he said yeah. quarter and yeah. a half he was out. So um, it's just a, a terrible situation. But for Macaulay's sake, uh, they get a good win and uh, get to come back and focus on on Baylor. So uh, you know you have your typical uh, your your you know your typical stars, if you will, D'Angelo Hardy. Uh, he also uh, you know B.J. Harris, the running back, played well and and uh, they scored really a bunch in the second and third quarter to to put the thing away. It was it was kind of a 19 to 3 type game and Forsyth got a touchdown at the end but um you know they just keep the machine rolling and when they when you have to schedule I think that's part of this angle too that not many people are talking about if that's a team let's say and I hate to put anybody in there, but let's say it's a Chattanooga area team I won't even name a specific one where you got to look Ralph Potter in the face at the Jamboree, and you got to look Ralph Potter at the face at, at some sort of uh, best of preps banquet or whatever. You're talking about the number one player in the Times Free Press Dynamite Dozen. Uh, there's a little bit a danger, I think, when you have to use the, uh, and I don't mean to overhype it or not, but I mean the, the the danger comes when you have to use that that agent that we talk about, and you don't know these teams from California, you don't know these teams from Florida, you don't know these teams from yeah. from Middle Georgia, you know. And there's a, there's a not that there's a lack of respect, but there's not this uh, uh, follow up uh, type thing that's going to be residual for years. Of you, you know, if you're coaching against Ralph Potter, and one of your players does that, you're gonna have to talk to him for a while. You don't mess where you eat, right? That's exactly right, and I think that's that's part of the issue. I think of of scheduling teams from way out of town. No, I I would agree. I mean, I think that's uh, that's, but that's also uh, right now, Division two football in the year twenty nineteen. I mean, there, you know, life, college's yeah. not the only one. Sure. Take a look around. A lot of those Division two programs have a hard time trying to find people to uh, to play them. In terms of what happened on the field, as far as the actual play goes, I thought the Macaulay defense was fantastic against uh, West Forsyth and kind of shutting those guys down. As far as what happened to Jay Hardy, man, that's. Uh, that's heartbreaking. I guess we should all just it's be bush thankful. It's, it's bush, bush league. league's exactly what you call it. We we should just all be thankful that that kid wasn't hurt worse than what it is, that he's going to bounce back and be fine. And I think Macaulay will be fine even without him. But as, as we all know, especially around here, four stars don't grow on trees. That's no. right. And so to be able to have a kid like that, you want to see him play. I mean, for the good of high school football in this area, if you care about this sport, you want to see Jay Hardy play. You want to see him do well because I think it helps elevate the perception of, of Chattanooga area high school football. So, And again, just from the standpoint, he's a senior. You want to see a kid compete in every game he plays in his senior year. You know, you don't want to see him down for two or three games, four games, whatever. Good news is – it's not going to affect him moving forward. It's it's an injury he will recover from, get a full recovery from. It's just rest and rehab. It's just at what point he will be back. But the fact that he's got to miss games in his senior season, just from a standpoint of this 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 guy needs to be playing in his senior year, well, just so he can get all the, all that time with his teammates. Sure. And to your point, let's be selfish ourselves. We we want to see that guy against Baylor, and yeah. now we're, and now we're not going to, and right. that's a shame. I want to see that. Right. I personally going to be you know uh, uh, wanting to see that, and, and and now we're not going to see that. So I mean, that's part of the storyline going in, and it's a shame. One other game, uh, another rivalry that took place last week, Bledsoe County at Sequatchie County. What do we take away from this one? The battle for the stump. 
The stump <laughs> remains in Dunlap. I, t- I think the job that Dwayne Tabor's done at Bledsoe County is fantastic, though. First off, he's got a kid named Cadillac. <laughs> and exactly. I will root for any kid named Cadillac mm-hmm. playing in Pikeville, Tennessee. Let me tell you that. So, uh, no, in, in all seriousness, now, I, I think these are two really good programs that are that are both headed in the right direction. I think Sequatchie County with Coach Wattenberger probably a little bit ahead of where Bledsoe County is. But I don't think there is any doubt Dwayne Tabber has got things moving in the right direction in Pikeville with the energy and and just the overall excitement that he has brought to that football program. And talk about defensively, you uh, you know you were talking about McCauley's defense. They really stepped up. Uh, Bledsoe did and held. Or I'm sorry, Squatchy did and held Bledsoe to 132 total yards of offense. So that yeah, was that really was a defensive thing. struggle. That was, and I don't know, maybe weather factored into it, but that was the one thing that I noticed this week about the games in general. Um, there was a lot of what I felt like a lot of defensive football games that that were played this week, where you saw a lot of teams get held way below their normal yards of total offense per game and and normal, uh, you know, points output per game this week. May have been partially with a few weather delays. You yeah, know, and that, that trying to get a team to find to stride because that can mess with you, can mess with your rhythm and and throw off what you're trying to do as as well. But that's the one thing overall, big picture stuff. Other than the Jay Hardy situation, stood out to me about this last week was just the fact that um, it felt like we had a, a lot of defensive slugfest. Let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, top tens, top fives, depending on. Uh, which classification you're in in the state of Tennessee this week. We'll start with the Division One Class 6A, Bradley Central locally uh, coming in at number four, Oakland, Maryville, and Whitehaven ahead of them in the one, two, and three spot. McMinn County this week registering in at number nine. Uh, McMinn County kind of quietly yeah. gotten off to this 5-0 and o start, and I can't – look, I can't wait to see Bradley Central in Maryville. I know. You can't tell me <laughs> – that Bradley Central doesn't have the athletes to be able to match up this year with Marable. Now, can they win? It's a different story. But, man, I feel like they've they've got the athletes that can compete on the field with those guys. Big big week for Bradley Central as we will have Coach Damon Floyd on here in just a few minutes to uh, join us to preview Cleveland as it's a big rivalry week up there in Bradley County. And uh, at the end of the year, another matchup, McMinn County and Bradley Central will go at it to uh, – close out the season. That's a November 1st game. Class 5A, Ray County on the outside receiving 13 uh, votes for top 10. No other area teams in the top 10 there. Uh, Class 4A, uh, no one there. No one receiving votes. Class 3A, uh, Red Bank coming in at number 4 this week. Alcoa, Covington, and Pearl Cone ahead of them. East Nashville in number 5. Loudon, Another region team for Red Bank coming in at seven, at six and zero. Oh, that's guys. That's going to be that. Those two are on a collision a course right now. Yep, that is. And this is one of those years at Loudon that they've kind of been uh, pointing towards for the longest time. With this current group of kids they have, they they thought they could be pretty special this year, and so far they've been able to achieve it. Class. 
two A, uh, Megs County this week, and number two as they hold steady. Peabody ahead of them. Watertown and Trousdale County in fourth. Forest in five, and in the eighth spot, dropping down from number five is Tyner. Uh, no other teams locally in Class Three A, Class One A. South Pittsburgh again holding steady uh, at number one. Copper Basin uh, this week uh, receiving some votes just outside the top ten. How about those Cougars? They yeah. may be top ten before it's said and done. I think so, too. I mean, that's a great resurgence from uh, Coach Grabowski and, and the Cougars. They've uh, they've just been one of the kind of like almost like McMinn, just flying under the radar, but a great story. Yeah, well, I think because of where they're located, it's easy to, to fly under the radar. But he's a guy, though, you talk about – now, he's he, not in year one for him, but in year two. But you start to look at what – you know, we, I mentioned Dwayne Tabor at Bledsoe County and what he has done. Uh, I think, you know, Walker Valley won again this week. So there's another new coach in Drew Aikens. We've talked before with Jeremy Boskins and what he's been able to do at Boyd Buchanan. Sometimes just a change of scenery and a, and a little bit, the, the message coming from somebody else makes a huge, huge difference. In Division Two, Class AA, Boyd Buchanan in number three, up from number four last week. Uh, coming in this week, cracking the top five. Uh, Chattanooga Christian, as uh, as they have made it into the top five, it's kind of interesting. You know, they got the win over Boyd Buchanan. And, and BBS is still number three. And still, <laughs> still right behind them. That's interesting. Class 3A, uh, this week it sets up for a big-time showdown as we have the number one team, Macaulay Blue Tornado, uh, followed by Brentwood Academy. And in number three, the Baylor Red Raiders. And it's uh, a 6-0 and versus number five, or 5-0, uh, number one versus number three, Macaulay and Baylor this week. Uh, we'll preview that one just a little bit later in our Friday Night Rivals matchup this week. But first, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the games uh, coming your way this week. And we'll start and with our Bradley Central Cleveland game. And we'll go ahead and welcome in our guest, Coach Damon Floyd. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Well, what's it been like so far this week? I know uh, probably a big game going on up there in Bradley County. What's, it, what's the feeling been like around school? And uh, what, do you got, what do you know about Cleveland heading into this week? Well, I'll just start by saying this this is a different week than any other week on our schedule. Um, you, you know, and you do a lot more interviews and those kind of things. And, um, you know, people are probably texting you and calling you a little bit more than normal. And people want tickets. And, I mean, it, so it's it's a variety of things that make it different. But I know this about Cleveland. I think Coach Wheeler's done a really good job since he's been there. You can tell, you know, they're starting to really learn their scheme that he's installing offensively. They're going to start by trying to run the football and, uh, you know, they got some, some big offensive linemen going to lean on you for four quarters, and they obviously, like Cleveland's always had in the past, they're going to have running backs that can that can take it to the house at any time. I think their receivers probably um, as good as we've ever faced since I've been coaching. Uh, Deuce Flowers, he, he has the ability to, to score from anywhere, and he can really go up and get the ball. Uh, defensively, they're the same as they were last year. I think Brandon Harmon's still their defensive coordinator, so – you know, they're a 3-3 stack scheme-wise, which means they can bring it from anywhere. I feel like their three linebackers are as good as we'll see, you know, on one particular team. So, uh, I think they're coached really well. Um, anytime Bradley Cleveland get together in anything, you're going to see great effort from both sides. So, I, I expect it to be a very competitive game Friday. Coach, you guys have gotten off to a great start. You, you've put up a lot of points over the, uh, you know, first five or so games of the season. H- have we seen the best of your team? Have you guys played your best yet? Uh, not for four quarters. You know, we've been very explosive in 
uh, times at games, and then we've put together certain quarters that have been really good. Uh, I don't think it's any secret our defense has to catch up with our offense a little bit. Not that we'll probably ever catch them, <laughs> but uh, as far as like executing wise, but you know we've got to tackle better and little things like that. We've got to cut down penalties. Um, but our offense, obviously, we're very happy with with just how explosive we are. And you know sometimes we go over there defensively and. You know how you watch the play uh, now. You go on the, and watch on the sidelines. You're you're watching the TV. To what just happened? And as soon as we sit down, it feels like our defense is coming right back on the field. So, if it is a negative, sometimes our offense scores so fast that you know our defense is on the field for a long period of time. Not that we're complaining. We'll take that any time. But um, yeah, very happy with the way the offense is executing. And then um, you know, kicking game I think has been pretty solid. And then defensively, we just have to put it together for four quarters. Compare uh, Deuce Flowers uh, to your guy, Trey Curry. Uh, about the same height, looks like Flowers a yeah. little thinner, uh, but yeah. just is he that type of athlete? He, he is. He's very athletic. I, I mean, it's hard to compare anybody to Trey. Not No offense to Flowers, but Trey is, I mean, he is gifted like, you know, no other. I mean, he's he's 210 pounds, you know. And Flowers, I'm, I'm guessing his weight, probably 170-ish. So Trey probably has, you know, 40, 40 pounds on him. And, and Trey is a really strong kid. Obviously, he's really fast. I think they're both very talented. I just think Trey probably has some uh, God-given ability and size and strength and speed that not many not many high school kids have, not many college kids have. I mean, he is just truly blessed. So it's hard to really compare anybody to Trey. Coach, how is your offense coming along? You know, you showed us a couple of things against Odawa – two weeks ago um it seemed like you know trey got a lot of the accolades around and you even said before he uh he kind of takes a lot of heat off some of these other players to to be able to make plays how has your offense found i guess their confidence level with a guy like trey on the field who can can i guess serve as a, as a decoy in a lot of ways because he brings so much to the table yeah, well, deservedly so. You know, the credit that Trey gets and the publicity he gets, it's it's well deserved. But somebody, something that a lot of people forget about is that we have four offensive linemen that are seniors that have played a lot of football, and then we have a junior in Bennett Burris who stepped in and done a really well job, a really great job. So our offensive line is really where it starts. I mean. You know, y'all know as well as I do, you're not completing any of those passes if people are getting pressure on their quarterback. Javen's had plenty of time to get the ball off. Uh, we've ran the ball exceptionally well because some of the holes that we do have. So our offensive line deserves a lot of credit. Um, and then just the fact that we're blessed with a lot of God-given speed. Uh, you know, I mean, it's definitely the fastest fastest team offensively we've had since I've been here. Um, we've got a lot of guys that can make plays. And I'll be honest, there's guys that are not on the field on Friday that probably deserve to be, and they're just waiting to get their chance. Um, you know, you speak of Javen, our quarterback, who's who's literally a dual threat. I mean, he's got he's probably the fastest kid on our team. He's the strongest kid on our team. He's a straight-A student. Well, he's got a twin brother that plays corner for us that hardly ever gets the ball. Um, that's really, really a good player, and, and we've got to get him more involved offensively. So Trey does take a lot of pressure off everybody because, I mean, we'll go watch film. And, you know, at different times, they're running two guys at Trey almost every play. Uh, so it's going to give guys opportunities, you know, around the field. And the fortunate thing we have is guys that can run and catch that, that are not Trey Curry. So uh, Trey's fine with it. You know, Trey, Trey is a good teammate. So he's one of the first ones when someone else scores, he's high-fiving and meeting them in the end zone. So the, the thing that makes me proud, I guess, as a coach offensively is 
we've got guys that are unselfish and they care about the teammates and they're excited for the team success, not just any one person. Coach, for those of us that aren't a part of the Bradley community or a part of the Cleveland community, can you put this game and its importance, can you put it into perspective for those of us that are that are outsiders? Probably not, honestly. I mean, it's just <laughs> until you're in it, you don't really quite understand. You know, I went to Bradley, but I never got to play against Cleveland. And just to be quite honest, thank thank God we didn't, because that was when you know they were winning fifty four straight games. We did not want any part of that. But, um, <laughs> um, it, it's just different, and until you've experienced it, you just don't know. I mean, it's it's not just on Friday. I mean, it's an intense week, you know, all week. And in our situation, they were off last Friday. We were off last Friday. It's been two weeks. Somebody came up to me yesterday and go, "You look tired." And it's draining, you know, but uh, it's it, the atmosphere will be electric on Friday night. I mean, it's it's the best high school environment I've ever been a part of. Um, it's just different. These kids, we're only three miles apart, you know. Our school, I don't know if people realize this, our, our school sits in the city, you know. So zoning-wise, um, we, we are, if you lived at Bradley, you'd be zoned to go to Cleveland. So, um it's just a different atmosphere. It's a different rivalry, uh, a lot of pride at stake, and it's, you know, it's something these guys will talk about uh, for the rest of their life. Because it's so close, is there truly a home field advantage in this series? I, I know we like playing in Bear Stadium, <laughs> um, but we feel like we have one of the best settings in high school football. Uh, I've never been to a stadium where – I mean, we've been to some nice ones. You know, Dobbins been at right, right up there to the, near the top, but um, – we play at Maryville, but Bear Stadium's different, man. We sit down in that hole, and you know it's we're pretty much surrounded. And and when you play Cleveland, both both sides are full. There's people on the hills. I mean, it's a big crowd. So we would much rather play at Bear Stadium um, when we play a team like Cleveland for sure. Well, Coach, this taking a look at your schedule, uh, this is really kind of a a murderer's row that you've got a, a play to, to to close out your season. You, you come in this week, you play Cleveland. Uh, next week, you go to Maryville. Uh, you have two weeks where you go William Blunt and Saudi Daisy, and then you close out the season on November 1st at McMinn County. How ready is your team heading into this uh, last part of your schedule? Ooh, that's a good question. And I answered this question a little bit earlier today. Um, you know, I hate open weeks. I'd rather just keep playing and not have an open week. We were in such a groove offensively. Now we got to take a week off. So we hope that we continue to stay in this rhythm, but we won't know until Friday night. So uh, we know we got a tough road ahead of us, but honestly, all we are focused on is Cleveland. And to you just said that, I didn't even realize who we had. I know Maryville was next because I've had some questions on it, but I had no idea who who was after Maryville. So our attention is focused on Cleveland, and, and uh, you know I, I think they deserve all of our attention. Um, and that's really all we're focused on right now is, is this Friday. Coach, I know, um, I don't know, beating Cleveland probably keeps you employed, but I guess uh, in a uh, in a big picture now, that game against Maryville is going to have a lot riding on it. Is it advantageous that you do have a game like this against Cleveland leading up to Maryville so you don't have kids looking too far ahead? I've not thought about it that way, but, yeah, you're probably right. Um, you, you know, but this is the thing. The Maryville game won't be near as important if we don't win Friday. So if we don't take care of business, Maryville's, you know, it's not going to mean much at all. Um, this game is the most important game on our schedule every year because it is Bradley Cleveland. I mean, 
the truth of the matter is, and I answered this question earlier, is uh, why is this game, you know, one of the reasons why this game is what it is, there's jobs on the line, in, in particular mine. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very important game. I mean, you throw in the fact, too, that, you know, we're in the same region, so it's got playoff implications. Um, my job's on the line, and then the fact that it's Bradley Cleveland. So, I, honestly, Maribel has not got one bit of our attention. Um and I'm sure Cleveland's the same way. This is this is it right here. There there is no, there's nothing but Friday night. This is your 14th season on the sidelines. You have been there, I guess, since this game has has been resurrected in a way. I guess. How is this game different now? Uh, I guess in you'd say in a modern era of Bradley Cleveland. Well, you know, there was a, I think there was, I think it was 21 years that we didn't beat Cleveland. Now, there was some years in there that we didn't play, and I don't know the exact, maybe nine or 10, but I think it was 21 years we had not beaten Cleveland. So the fact that we've just made it competitive again um, adds a lot of excitement, at least on our part. I'm sure Cleveland would rather just keep blowing us out like they did for so many years, but um, it's a competitive series. So that that's, I think that's the most important thing, or I guess the biggest difference as it was. I mean, you know, in the mid-90s, I mean, not many people could even compete with Cleveland, much less beat them. So um, that's the biggest difference from when I was in high school and growing up. I mean, Cleveland was the best team in the state, seemed like every year. And, uh, you know, this now in the modern era, I guess you could say, since 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 the last 14, 15 years, we've at least be, have been competitive with them. Cool. What's the relationship like between you and and Coach Wheeler? I mean, you don't refer to them as that school over there or anything <laughs> like that. So, no. what's the is this a is this a friendly rivalry? Would you describe it that way? Uh, no, <laughs> and no offense <laughs> to Coach Wheeler. I he mean, just got to town, so right? Not <laughs> That's not his fault. <laughs> we're not friends. I mean, we weren't friends. Before. We didn't have a relationship before we got here, so I don't mean that in a mean way. I just. You know, we'll never really go hang out and eat together. Um, it was the same way when EK was here and Coach Crawford was here. Uh, but now, I mean, me and EK, when we, in the preseason, in the in the fall scrimmages, we scrimmage EK. You know, so we are friends. Uh, Coach Crawford and I talk not much, but every now and then. So it's not like that we won't ever be friends. It's just hard for the Bradley coach and the Cleveland coach to really be friends, I guess you could say. So, I, look, I have a lot of respect for Cleveland. I know what type of program they are, what type of history they have. So I'm just happy to be a part of the rivalry, to be honest with you. And, and I know Coach Wheeler's – I've seen what he's done in the past at other programs, uh, you know, almost beating Alcoa in two state championships. And uh, So there's nothing but respect between Bradley and Cleveland. I do believe that. I think it's a healthy rivalry. Uh, I wouldn't just say – I would just say that we're just probably not friends. <laughs> just more acquaintances, right? <laughs> more acquaintances, yes. <laughs> you, you coexist in the same city. That We'll just say it that way. Well, Coach, we certainly yeah, do appreciate we, you. Yeah. Uh, thank you for, for yeah. being on with us today, taking time out. I know in this busy week it's uh, it's hard to just find 10, 15 minutes, and we appreciate you certainly doing that to sit down and discuss the Bradley-Cleveland game this week. Good luck to you, and good luck the rest of the season. Yes, sir. Good luck, David. Well, I pr- yeah, I appreciate it, and I appreciate what you guys do for not only Bradley and promoting our program, but obviously all the high schools around this area. I think it's it's cool for our kids. So there you have it, guys. Bradley Central taking on Cleveland this week, and uh, murderers row in this schedule for those guys coming out here in the downhill stretch of the season. Uh, they'll take on Cleveland this week, Maryville next week. 
uh, and then close out the season with McMinn County. We talk about under-the-radar teams, and we mentioned Copper Basin. We mentioned McMinn. Kind of feel like Cleveland's sort of fallen into that, you know, and I realize that they aren't the Cleveland of, of the early 90s right now, but, you know, we haven't seen or heard much, I feel like, from the Blue Raiders. I don't think we've talked about them hardly any here, Mm-mm. at least on this podcast. No. Well, they would certainly can get on the radar by, with a win oh, Friday yeah. night. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure, man. Everybody in the state would be talking about that. So, uh, and that's the beauty of football. You've got it your chance. You can talk the talk all day long, but when it comes to kicking it off and playing, you've got a chance to beat Bradley, and that'd be a huge story. Big region game between those two as well. Used to, they just kind of played this one as a as a rivalry game, and nothing else. Now it really counts for something as it's a region game. Guys, a couple more games on the schedule this week. CAK uh, at Notre Dame. Notre Dame really kind of struggling uh, over the past couple of weeks. What can we take away from this game? What does Notre Dame have to do into this game to get this season? Get Dallas Brown back on the field, I think. I'm not sure how much he's been able to play the last couple of weeks. I know that the loss they had uh, on their last trip to Knoxville was uh, – I don't think he was able to play uh, for whatever reason. So, uh, they need to get him back on the field. And, and I think he is, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Scott, we saw it in week one. He's just a, a difference maker. Well, he's the heart of that team, I think. Uh, you know, and played a little quarterback. And, I mean, I think that's been their issue really the last two years. I mean, look, this, the, the single wing and all that stuff that he was running, that, that, that's it. they're doing it as good as you can do it. But I think essentially you got to coach with some players – uh, that are athletic, uh, you can kind of hem that up a little bit and, and make them frustrated. So I think to, for them to beat CAK, they're going to have to throw the ball. Yeah, you're going to have to throw the ball and you're going to have to have uh, long, sustained drives where you're making first downs and you keep the ball out of CAK's hands. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame's got a bunch of athletes, but I just think that, that not having a, a prominent quarterback that you can, you know, kind of have confidence in on third and three late in the game, you know, they just don't have that. Yeah, guy. You, need a, you need a Braden Sanders or a Maddox Will or one of those guys that you can go to in a, in that crunch time and and count on them on a you know on a third and six that they can they can throw the out to get you the first down right. Let's dip down in the state of Georgia. Heritage taking on Lafayette this week, a region matchup between those two. Heritage going to try to get back on the horse after they fell last week to Ridgeland in that uh, region opener for both teams. There, kind of one of those one of those games that can go either way. Yeah, I think I think uh, Heritage bounces back here. You know, I don't think uh, anybody has. I don't think Lafayette has enough guys to guard Sam Randolph, the wide receiver, and and you know the three plays we saw on Friday. It looks like they had a decent running game too. So hey, they got a first down. <laughs> they got a first down. That's it's funny right. how we say that. We only saw three plays, but here's how we can dissect <laughs> right. a complete game from right. that. We felt like this from that game. No, and uh, so I think you got enough balance for uh, for Heritage and and uh, Lafayette Ramblers. They'll be at home, so there'll be a little home field advantage. And I know those fans of the Ramblers come out and support them. Um, but I just think, uh, again, with the three plays we saw, they might have too much offense. Our entire job is based on speculation <laughs> anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like weathermen. That's right. That's right. So if we get it right half the time. How's that? Uh, anyway, uh, another game, Northwest Whitfield at Ridgeland. Uh, the Panthers going to be looking to uh, keep the momentum going after they got their first region win last week, and they hopefully can do that this week against the Bruins. Yeah, and I, I think there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to do that. And a good thing for Ridgeland is they get a, a chance to play one at home uh, against uh, some competition that I think they should match up pretty well against. We saw Northwest early in the year. Northwest is one of those teams you kind of feel like is maybe a year away. 
Uh, whereas with Ridgeland, I think when you start talking about the talent they have, especially the playmakers on offense and that massive offensive line, you got to think their time is now. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Terrence and Torrance Roberts, those twins, and you know being Blackwell, the, Blackwell, them being senior years, and uh, you know. I totally agree with what you said. Northwest, I think, is a future. Uh, that's yeah. a team that's probably going to be good next year and the year before or year after that, I mean. But um, we saw how they didn't handle Dalton's speed very well. Not that Ridgeland has Jameer Gibbs speed, but you right. know what I'm saying. Yeah, but they got some dudes, though. They do have some dudes. And, and I think that, uh, that Northwest uh, is probably going to be in for uh, uh, you know a, a real tough fight, uh, especially, like you said, at Ridgeland. Uh, sticking with the rivalry theme this week, uh, Boyd Buchanan at Silverdale. That's the always holy been war. Some, that's always been a competitive game over the over the few years. And I don't there. think Silverdale had ever beaten Boyd Buchanan in football until last year. That's correct. And that was their first win over uh, over Boyd Buchanan. And uh, you know, I've said this before. I, I feel like if Silverdale was in Class A of Division Two, they would be in a position to compete and play for a state championship. I, I really think. He has got that program. Al Rogers has gotten them to that point. But because they're in double-A, it's a little bit of a tougher road. We'll see. I think it's a good measuring stick game for both of those teams. Boyd Buchanan, clearly one of the feel-good stories in high school football this year after going 0-10 last year. Uh, But I think this is one of those measuring stick games. How good are you? Other games around the area, Signal Mountain at Brainerd, Walker Valley at Lenore City, Central at Howard, Lookout Valley at Copper Basin, East Hamilton at Sequoia, big region game there. East Ridge, undefeated in region play right Pioneers? now. And they uh, take to Anderson County this week. Yeah, you, anybody anybody buying the Pioneers on the road at Anderson County? Uh, that'll be a tough one, but I, I think they can be competitive with the rest of their schedule. Man, that quarterback at East Ridge, that he is as athletic of a quarterback as anybody has got in this area. He doesn't throw it a lot. I don't necessarily think that he is a great passer, but I think he's one of those guys with a ball in his hands. He can make some things happen. They'll find out what they're made of this week as they take on Anderson County. Soddy Daisy at Hickson, McMinn Central at Loudon, McMinn County at uh, Heritage. That is Maryville Heritage. Ray County at Uldawa. That should be a, dis- a decent game there. Ray County undefeated heading into this one. We'll see what they're made of this week. As I think Uldawa's finally found an identity, by the way. They, yeah. That identity is let's turn around and give it to Jaquan Greenhill yeah. and him run the ball. Because, you know, when we talked to Coach Chandler a couple of weeks ago, it was kind of like, well, we're still trying to find ourselves. Well, I think they found. I think it happened during the Bradley, Bradley game, game. Yep, where they kind of found, okay, we got a guy now. This is who we are. This is who we're going to have to be on offense to have success. I think they found that now. And they should. Greenhill's a stud. I mean, he's a workhorse. He looks better the more carries he gets. So uh, uh, for them this year, maybe a little limited as far as the passing game goes, but uh, Greenhill's the guy you can lean on, I think, for success. Red Bank at Sweetwater, uh, region game there. Tyner at Teleco Plains, another region game. This one, Sale Creek at Whitwell. Do the Panthers have a chance of knocking off the defending state champions? Well, this may be for the third or the fourth playoff spot uh, in that region. So we'll see how um, we'll see. It's homecoming at Whitwell. They feel like they've got a chance to be able to win this game, but we'll see. Sequatchie County at Smith County, Cannon County at Grundy, Marion at Bledsoe. When I was a kid, Marion County and Bledsoe County, that was back in the old District 7 AA. That was the game. 
that was the, those two every year. That was back when you only had one team that went to the playoffs. Right. And this was the game every year out of that seven double A. Again, we only had three classifications back then, but that was the game that determined who would go to the playoffs every year. It felt like. And neither you win and you're in, yep. lose you and you're home. And then it changed and, you know, they started taking the first – they took the top two teams and, and that happened for a number of years. And, and by that time, I believe Sequatchie County and Sid Fritz had kind of uh, risen up and Pikeville had kind of taken a step back a little bit. But um, that's always been a, a good competitive matchup over the years. Down in Georgia, a couple matchups down there. River Ridge at Dalton, Sonoraville at Ringgold, LFO at Adairsville, North Murray at Murray County. County, Southeast Whitfield at Pickens. And uh, let's go ahead without further delay. Let's talk about our big Friday Night Rivals matchup, a game that you can catch on the CW Chattanooga pregame at 7, kickoff followed at 7 p.m. The long-awaited rivalry, the renewal, the annual renewal of Macaulay at Baylor. I got my bed sheet ready. It's been spray-painted. I'm ready to go. I saw you roll in in your truck I today. I did. And you had that. Did you put the? Did you put the CW? Put, we I need did. to do that's a CW logo on there. That's, I think that's what, what we'll do. That's a that's great what idea. We should. We'll that's a that's great idea. Should. I'll get my truck and I'll get. I'll you know put a nice big PVC pop. Out Actually, there. a big king size bed sheet and put a big green CW Chattanooga. Hey, if on you'll there. bring it, I think we should hang it out the window with a press box. <laughs> That'd be funny, man. Does the does the truck have a hitch on the back? I can get you just one. put it on the CW I truck. No, I, yeah, I did, we could. <laughs> That'd be fun. That would be rolling awesome. up with that. That would be awesome. So if you've been around town this week in Chattanooga or out and about, and you see a, a big blue M or a big red B hanging off the bed sheets of a back of a car. Bunch I'm, of mamas of uh, Baylor and Macaulay students going through the linen closet, going, <laughs> "What happened?" Right, exactly. <laughs> where'd the, where'd those thousand count, thousand thread count sheets go? Oh, that's got a big blue M on it right now, Mom. I think that one's done. Yeah, what are the percentage of uh, of asking for permission first before you do uh, that? Ask forgiveness on five percent. It's the week where you can ask forgiveness over permission. Anyway, we've discussed all the pomp and circumstance. Let's talk about the game because this one is shaping up to be number one versus number three in Division Two Class AAA this week. I hate to be cliched with this, but it's two things. One, it's the offensive line play. And I think the second thing is, is going to come down to turnovers. I mean, I really do. Whichever team can get a turnover, and I think one to two turnovers may be enough to make the difference in this game. But you still got to win it at the line of scrimmage. And what kind of an impact will Jay Hardy not being in this game now for Macaulay, what kind of an impact will that have? on the line of scrimmage. What play. cliche are you going with, Quake? We've got uh, <laughs> we've had we've had offensive line play, turnovers. Are you gonna go with kicking game? You gotta win the kicking game. That's right. Don't give up the big play. Ball control. Don't give up the big play. They're well coached. <laughs> I fill out those keys to the game every week in case anybody's wondering. So so I think that this is the best matchup since Ryan Parker, uh, you know, stud linebacker for Baylor. When they won that game over McCauley and they weren't really expected to, I guess that's going back four years now. Uh, we but, did that one. I, yeah. I we did do that game, and I think we—that's uh, the kind of game we're going to see. And, and uh, you know, to steal uh, Chris's cliches, he's exactly right. Offensive line, both teams are experienced, big up front. I feel like they can run the football. Uh, you know, Elijah Howard's the running back that transferred in from Knoxville for Baylor, and he's done some great things. And it looks like uh, uh, Neyland Jean is the quarterback transferred in from Franklin County. But they've got chemistry from all the video I've seen on them. Uh, they have like instant chemistry. Those two, those guys in that offensive unit, looks like they've been playing together two, three years, uh, and they'll need that because we know McCall 
Kelly has been playing together for two or three years, four years in some cases. So you got a bunch of athletes on the field, and uh, execution is is you know uh, it's a premium because if you don't lay the ball on the ground, if you don't you know if you get third downs when you have to get them, that'll be the decision maker uh, for this game. But I, I expect a tight one. I do. I do too. I think you kind of have to lean towards McCauley right now because I think they're probably the more battle tested of the two teams. Um, Baylor right now, their offense is clicking, and it's it's kind of been a process for them. It's it. You look at the first half of their schedule. Sure, they haven't been tested, but that win against Ensworth a couple of weeks ago that put them on the map. Big that time. kind of really elevated their stock right now. Um, the question for Baylor's offense is how will those new guys respond? To in a big big time game in this when atmosphere, sure. They, I'm sure they've probably been telling them, but you don't really understand it until you step on the field and you look around for the first couple of plays, and you realize this game's a little bit bigger than the ones that we've been playing so far. Yeah, everybody's paying attention. Nobody's sitting there on their phones, which would be a miracle. We need to get a shot of that, by the way. Uh, I mean, that's just the difference in in high school football games that are typically, you know, good settings, good games, and good atmosphere. But this one's through the roof. And you got, you know, both sides, if you're out there in the field, both sides screaming at you the whole time. Um, So, yeah, I mean, how do they react in that type of atmosphere is a great question. It's like Ralph Potter said this week. There are people that don't care about high school football that care about this week well, and this week alone. Phil Massey said he didn't know when homecoming was. Yeah. You know, he goes, I, I couldn't tell you when homecoming is, but I know when we're going to have to play <laughs> McCollum. Right. <laughs> and this week, as again, as we said, is that this game couldn't have enough riding on it already. It's a region game. And, you know, I don't think we're done seeing these two teams play. We could actually see yeah. this We could see this matchup again later on in November yep. come playoff time. And yep. I've been telling you guys the last couple of weeks, I think people have been sleeping on Baylor. I think they're better than the number three team in the, in the state. So we'll see how this one shakes out. I agree with you, Scott. This has all the makings of being a classic. I agree. Do they pull, does Baylor pull out all the stops in a game like this? Because – You have to. You know – Macaulay, they really haven't had a chance to to hold back in their schedule. Their schedule has been tough. They went on the road and beat a very good Brentwood Academy team. That's a great point. I, I wonder if maybe Macaulay hadn't had to show a little more than by this point in the season going into Baylor, did you have to show more than what you really wanted to show at yeah. this point? Absolutely. Should be a great game. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how these two uh, shape up. Macaulay with a three-game advantage. They've got the win streak heading into this one. Um, we've watched this offense for Macaulay pretty much grow up before our very eyes. We watched D'Angelo Hardy start as a freshman, and we said, this guy is going to be special. I think you look at this team, and especially now since they've got an offensive line and they build around them, not that they've – been bad anywhere along the way, but I think they're going to be able to open up this year. Coach Ralph Potter said that D'Angelo Hardy had a had a shoulder issue last year. He wasn't able to throw as effectively as he could. He's cleared. He's he's healthy. He's cleared, and he's been throwing the ball over the lot. You kind of wonder how much more of a threat is D'Angelo Hardy. Not that he wasn't a threat to begin with. 
you know, how much more of a threat is he in this offense coming into this week? To me, it'll be interesting to see how much Coach Massey fills them out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, in every football game, you're going to sit there in the first couple series and say, okay, they're doing this, they're doing that. We need to adjust. We need to do this. Uh, but how much uh, leeway do you give McCauley? Because, like you mentioned, that they're scoring – you 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 let them go down and score, and then you you have a three and out, or you have a turnover, and everything. It can be fourteen nothing real quick, and then all of a sudden you're in trouble. Right. I mean, you ain't even you ain't even had the the wind hadn't even picked up the bed sheet yet, right. <laughs> and you're already uh, you're down fourteen nothing. I think D'Angelo Hardy's throwing the ball better this year. I think that's the difference in this Macaulay offense compared to the one last year. Something we kind of hinted at a, a little while ago about Notre Dame. Right now, you can't be one dimensional, and you sure as heck can't be in in. 3A Division II football. You cannot be one-dimensional. You've got to have the aspect of the passing game, and I think he has given them that this year because he's been healthy. So we've got McCauley at Baylor Friday night on our Chattanooga State Friday Night Rivals game. Pre-game, 7 o'clock on the CW Chattanooga kickoff to follow at 7.30. Scott McMahon will be there. Chris Goforth will be there. I will be there. Looking forward to it. Thousands will be there. It'll be it'll just be an incredible atmosphere with quite a, a few thousand of our closest friends. Yeah, you talk about the Grove at Ole Miss. I mean, that's pretty much what that center yard. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they call it there at Baylor, but that uh, the grass in the, the middle courtyard. Courtyard. That, that's going to be packed. Tailgating. You're going to see all kinds. Remember of when we did this game at McCauley a couple of years ago, and we did the pregame down on the field, and you and I had you know four minutes or whatever it was to get from the field to the press box, and it was literally like we barely made it. It was like. Huge. Every second of it. It was like literally. You're, I mean, I'm like trying to. I'm I'm behind Quake, and I'm like trying to grab and like hold on to his shirt so he could pull me up through the crowd <laughs> so crazy. we can get there. I mean, it was it was. I remember that game because uh, Becky, the producer, comes into my ears and she goes, "Dave, you're probably going to have to start the show because yeah, we couldn't get up because there. Chris and Scott are not in place. Yet. <laughs> yeah, we, we couldn't get there. And I know you and I talked about it afterwards. It's like, look. You know, we got to have a police escort. We got to right. have something <laughs> next time to be able to get us. Thankfully, we don't have to make that jaunt this year. No, we can we can stay in the press box. It was beyond time. standing room only. Yeah, I mean, oh, you had it students. Crazy. It was like a student section, but it was almost like the Duke basketball student section. You yes. know, they were crammed in there, standing in the aisles, and and uh, there was probably twice as many people as there actually was seats and uh, the bleachers. But yeah, I mean that that's the kind of atmosphere we're going to have Friday night. Doesn't matter if it's at Baylor or Macaulay, you get the same type of stuff, and it's all eyes on that and there this is fun I, you know and look i know a lot of people would would look at this rivalry and go well it's overhyped there's too much attention it's this it's that it's too you know two prep schools whatever 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 i would encourage anybody if you've never been come because it is absolutely I, it, it's fun i mean this is to me this is the funnest game we'll do all nothing against it we've seen great games this is the most fun, though, because there is nothing like that atmosphere that we're going to be a part of. And if you're going to try and get a ticket, you might want to go at noon. Yeah. <laughs> That'd yeah. be a good idea, You may too. want to go at 1130 to get a parking space. <laughs> That's true. I don't think tickets are, are, are an option right now. I think they're, they're probably all sold out. So the only way you can see it is through Chattanooga State's Friday Night Rivals. Hey. 7 p.m. Shameless plug. 7 p.m. <laughs> pregame, uh, followed by kickoff 7.30. Also streaming on ChattanoogaCW.com and on the Stir app. Chris, stir how do you spell with, that? That's Stir with two R's. Stir with two R's. And it is worth every penny because it is absolutely free. He's a company man. Yes, I like it. 
guys, anything else we missed? We good? We good. I think that's it. Ready for another great week. Let's go. Good for another great week. Hopefully, we can get a little crack in the weather as we have rolled over the calendar to October. Maybe we can start seeing some of those fall temperatures along with our football. Anyway, we will be there regardless, rain or shine. Lightning, we might have a problem with. We found (laughs) that out this past week. But rain or shine, we will be on Friday Night Rivals this coming week. We thank you for joining us here on the Friday Night Rivals, the podcast. We are available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Podbean, Breaker, and now on Apple Podcast, wherever you download your podcast. We thank you for being here. Join us this Friday as we will be at the games, and we will see you back here next week for Friday Night Rivals, the podcast.